Welcome back to Seeing Life from a Different Angle. This is podcast number 22. And today is the Ides of March. Famous day of Julius Caesar being killed. But today I wanted to kind of step back even farther than Julius Caesar and talk about Socrates. And in particular, what uh, this anecdote that is referred to as the triple filter test. And I think it's a fascinating thing to consider because when we look at it from a myriad of different angles, this actually can be a very useful test that we can apply to our lives. And the story goes this, that there was one of Socrates' students and disciples, and one day he came to Socrates very agitated and apparently very upset that one of Socrates' alleged friends had been saying some very negative things about Socrates. And after Socrates calmed him down, um, and thought about it for a moment, doing what Socrates does, he asked him questions. And so what he did is what we have refer come to refer to as the triple filter test. The first question that he asked him was to say, are you absolutely sure that what this individual said was true? And I think truth is a fascinating thing when we consider it because we do not live in a society of great truth. And it's really unfortunate you know, whether or not, you know, I was watching the show yesterday with my wife and um, it's Psych is the name of the show, which I happen to love. We love as a family. But in the episode, you know, Juliet says to Lassiter, you know, glo global warming is the truth. And Lassiter says global warming is not the truth. And so what is the truth is it raises an interesting question. You know, I'm not coming down on one side or another in that regard because ultimately I see it this way, is that if there is anything that is occurring, it's way beyond man's ability to control and therefore must be left in the hands of God. And I have to trust that what will be, will be. But when we think about Socrates, the question is in this case, using the, you know, the, the story, the anecdote, is that did the friend that said this to you or said this, that you overheard this, was he speaking the truth about me? Because if he wasn't speaking the truth, you know, what was he really saying? And really, does it serve much purpose for you to share something with me that isn't the truth? We see this all the time in everyday life. You know, we, as I say, we question what is truth anymore, you know, because ultimately it is a matter of perspective. But is it truly a matter of perspective? You know, is is truth something that is so vague? I don't think that's the case. I think there is truth, and then there is what it is we wish could be true. We paint the latter as truth, even though some part of us wishes that it could be true. And it goes back to something we have talked about before, that idea of the status quo. You know, when our ego developing falls upon these ways of trying to get gratification and therefore tension reduction, it will take what it is that it has found, these means, these sources of need gratification, no matter how pathological they may be, and paints them as true. And it makes sense that it would paint them as true, because if it paints them as true, then what ends up happening is that the ego says, okay, well, this is true, therefore it's going to happen all the time. It reduces fear, it reduces discomfort. You know, so if you think about this friend of Socrates or alleged friend of Socrates saying something negative about Socrates, and we can apply this to our own lives. 
when somebody says something negative about us, I think we need to stop first and foremost and ask ourselves that question. Is what they're saying absolutely true about me? Or, to add an addendum to it, or is it really just about satisfying their status quo? Is it something they need to believe to be true or they need other people to believe to be true in order to satisfy something within themselves psychologically? Then the second question is, is what you're going to tell me good or not? Again, just like with truth, good is one of those very confusing words in our society. You know, when patients would see me, one of the things they would talk about was what they had done wrong, how bad they had been or how good they were. And I would say to them, you know, it's not a question of good or bad when you're looking at your psychological health. It is whether or not it is healthy or not. In other words, how close to the healthiest core of who we are are the things that you're doing. In the same way, good can only be applied to one human being that has ever been on earth, which is Jesus Christ. He's the only good person there has ever truly been. It doesn't mean we don't have good moments. We do. You know, we have wonderful moments where we are so kind and generous and caring to other people, especially, you know, as the saying goes, you know, you give the right, don't let the left hand know what the right hand is doing when we give freely. You know, as I've said to you before, there's an old Lithuanian saying that goes, Gives while, give while the hands are still warm. When we are generous and we give of ourselves, and it doesn't necessarily mean money, it can be a smile, it can be our time, it can be an interest, it can be any number of things that help another person realize that they do have value in this world. But when we think about the statements made by someone, if we're thinking, is this good for me or not? Go back to the thought of whether or not it fits my healthy perspective on life. Is this something that is truly healthy for me? Or is this going to put me in a place that is unhealthy? Is it going to be forcing me to consider things about myself that are not true and that are not healthy? Just to satisfy the status quo of another human being. You know, and so if someone is saying something that isn't true because it satisfies their status quo, but it isn't true about me, therefore it cannot be good. And the third test is whether or not something is useful. Is this going to help me in the course of my life? And I think those are useful concepts because when we think about something that is useful, you know, we have to consider whether or not it moves us toward a healthier perspective on life, indeed toward a healthier life. You know, one of the things that we have been talking a lot about is whether or not, you know, an individual is moving closer and closer to pathology or farther and farther from the pathology of their life. You know, when we think about the choices that we make day in and day out, you know, how healthy are these choices? The more healthy they are, the more useful they can be for us. So let's take an example. Someone says something negatively about me. You know, I have to ask myself, you know, or pro process, you know, are they speaking the truth or are they satisfying something within themselves? Some need, in other words, to gratify themselves or to justify their actions or to justify their opinions 
you know, did this person say this so that that person in their life would not judge them harshly, even though what they're saying about me is not true? Then becomes a question of, is it good for me? Is this truly something that is going to be healthy for my life, for me to consider even hearing what it is they have to say? If it isn't true, it can never be good for me. If it is true, it gives me an opportunity to challenge that part of myself and to say, okay, you know, am I uncomfortable, even anxious, even fear-ridden by what it is that this other person has said about me? And if I am, then it's important for me to look at that because what is good, what is true, is good, even if it is uncomfortable. And then the third part is, is what it is this person saying going to be useful for my life? Is it going to help propel me toward a healthier life, toward a greater perspective on connections and love and relationships? Because if it is true, even if it isn't necessarily comfortable, then it is necessarily good. And if it is good by its very nature, then it is useful to my life. And so, so much of this, if you think about it, pivots around that one thought. Is this true? And truth is a, such a vital thing because we have to consider, you know, if something is true, then it is useful. It is good. It can help me, even if it is painfully, painfully uncomfortable. But if it is not true, then it can, by its very nature, not be good. And therefore, by its very nature, cannot be useful. And so we have to consider these things in our lives. It goes back to the metaphor that I've talked about before of the cave. And that is Plato's metaphor. And when we think about the metaphor, and I'll relay it again very quickly, you know, it is a question of truth and good and usefulness. So in this story, these individuals live within this cave. And there are different groups of individuals within this cave. One group is, for want of a better way to put it, the ruling group. And they make a determination of what it is that the lesser or lower groups can see. And so they will project shadows onto a wall that will allow the people who are the lesser group or the lower group to believe that this is the way the real world is. But then one day, a brave soul breaks free from that and decides I want to know if there is something more out there. I want to know the truth of what lies outside of this cave. And so they go outside of this cave and they discover that there is a world outside of this cave that is not what it is that is projected onto this wall. And upon returning inside the cave to, to tell friends, neighbors, loved ones that this is the way the world really is, that this is the truth, what ends up happening is that the ruling class makes the determination that this is not a person that they can tolerate having around. You know, we are in a season of Lent. And for those of you that are Christian, Lent is a hugely important period of time because Lent, and I think for those who are not Christian as well, you know, it is a period of time where this exact experience has occurred in our lives. You know, Christ comes, and Christ says to the world and to usually to sinners as well as to, you know, tax collectors, as well as to lepers and those that to the religious leaders, the Jewish religious leaders were 
you know, pariahs. They were not someone that you'd want to have around and not one that you'd want to touch, let alone associate with or even walk on the same side of the street with. And Jesus brought to them and said, there is a different world. This is not everything. As a matter of fact, how you're doing things here, psychologically speaking, how you're living out the status quo in your life is unhealthy for you. You know, in our work together, in our conversations, you know, we've talked about going back to that wide open reality. That's what that person discovered when they stepped outside of that cave. That's the message of Jesus Christ, that there is more to this than meets the eye. And to, in both of these circumstances, what ends up happening is to share this truth with those who are in charge, with those who are desperate to maintain the status quo, to maintain their sense of power and control over others. In order to do that, they end up having to put to death, as occurs in the metaphor, as occurs in the story of Christ, to put to death the person who says that there is something else. It's a powerful thing, fear. It is a powerful thing, despair. You know, these individuals, you know, whether they are in the metaphor of the cave, whether they are the individual who tells a lie about you, whether they are the Jewish leaders, whatever the case might be, these individuals are trying desperately to maintain the status quo of their lives. They want what they want, they like what they have, and they don't want someone telling them that what they have or what they believe is not true. And they will go to any means any means to make sure that that doesn't occur. And so what they will do is they will say, in order to maintain the status quo, in order for me to avoid the fear of my life, I'm going to say that what it is I'm saying is true. In the metaphor of the cave, the people who are the rulers of this group, they are saying what we see on the wall is true. I need you to believe it's true so that things will stay the way I need it to stay. You know, when if you think about the story of Christ, the Jewish leaders were saying, this is uncomfortable for us to have someone come along who was not trained by us, who doesn't believe as we do, who preaches something significantly different than what we are saying is true. This person challenges our truth. Truth is a vital word here because ultimately it is the question of am I, am I maintaining a falsehood in order to maintain a certain psychological state where I'm not afraid, where I'm not overwhelmed, where I'm not angry, where I'm not despairing, all because these things cause such a measure of discomfort to look at the look at in our own lives or to experience in our lives. And I think to step aside from what I normally would do, I mentioned this a couple weeks ago and did not hear anything back. I was expecting to get some response to this in a negative way, but I think it's important for us to consider this as well is that, you know, we are ruled by individuals in our society. We call them the president, we call them Congress. You know, we're ruled by these individuals, whether it's from the ground up, our local mayor, or to our senators and governors and president, as I say, you know, these individuals all are pathological. We all are, but it's important for us to consider when they are speaking the truth, or as they put it, they're speaking the truth, 
we have to ask ourselves, is this the truth? Is this just a maintenance of their status quo? Or is this genuinely the truth? Because if it isn't the truth, then as I say, it isn't good. It isn't useful. You know, and we can only find the truth, I believe, by looking at the path that Christ laid out for us to love our enemies, to love our neighbors, to be as open to letting ourselves love as being loved, to return to that wide open reality where we can see more and experience more and understand more and go back to that initial connection between us, the people that love us, and God. And it's only, I think, in returning to that that we find the truth. You know, it's much like the concept of happiness that we talked about last week. There is only really one source of happiness because the world cannot provide that. All it can do at best is provide lukewarm, if that, lukewarm substitutes for happiness, watered down versions of what it is that God gives to us in the beginning of our lives and which the world unfortunately takes and kind of bastardizes and destroys. Not because they want to necessarily, but we think about it, our parents raise us with what they consider to be the truth. They think these things to be so, and therefore they raise us with this concept in mind, and we fall into that myopic reality, which makes sense. It makes sense because there, more often than not, we don't live in fear. There, more often than not, we don't live in despair. There, more often than not, there is less tension. But is it true? Is it true? The sad reality of it is, the farther we move away from that wide open reality, the farther we move away from those initial connections with God, the farther we move away from the truth. You know, C.S. Lewis loved to study Norse mythology and wrote about the medieval periods of time and mythology and when he was talking to his friend Tolkien one of the things that Tolkien had said to him was yes Christianity is a myth but it is a myth that is true you know unlike every other myth there is no truth in these other myths there is no truth in the notion that you know if someone is not your faith you must destroy them because they're going to go to hell you know or you know they don't deserve to go to heaven none of this is true because ultimately as we've talked about you know the idea of redemption is something that can only come from God because we can't redeem ourselves we can't as we move farther and farther away from happiness as we move farther and farther away from truth we cannot find redemption in this world. We cannot find peace in this world. We cannot find joy in this world. As I say, momentary glimpses, moments where we get some satisfaction. You know, we, we see a baby smile and it brings us a moment of pleasure, you know, and that's a healthy thing. But it's not long lasting. It's not eternal. You know, when we think about the concept of heaven, one of the benefits or the joys that we think about, I think, when we think of heaven is the idea that it is eternal. But what is eternal in that case? I think the eternal piece is this, and I know I'm not a theologist, so I'm speaking solely as myself and what it is I believe. 
But I believe what is eternal in heaven is joy. What is eternal in heaven is being in a place of joy because we are loved. And we are loved freely and openly by God. And therein lies the combination of happiness. You know, happiness comes when we experience true joy as a result of love. And one of the things I think when we look at the ancient philosophers that they desperately sought was a knowledge of what is happiness, what is truth. You know, even Pilate asked Jesus this at the end of his life. You know, what is truth? Again, I think it does come back to what Socrates had talked about. Truth, comfortable or uncomfortable, is something that brings good to our life. And by good, at least in this world, it is useful. It drives us toward a healthier life. And from a psychological perspective, driving us toward a healthier life is moving us back toward a connection with those who love us, toward actual pleasure. Not moving towards things that gratify us for the moment, but moving us toward things that bring something to our lives, that ease tension, but at the same time, do it in a way that is nurturing for us, that is gratifying for our ego, gratifying for our id, but in ways that are not based upon the quick and the easy, you know, the artificial pleasures of life. And so when we think about this, you know, when we apply this thought to our lives, this, you know, three-stage consideration, we'll call it, you know, when somebody says something about you, ask yourself, is this true? If it is true, then it is by its very nature good for you because it is designed to be useful and help you achieve something. If it is not true, then it is not good. It is not useful. So why would you need to hear it? You know, we are bombarded day in and day out by negative feedback from so on social media in particular, but everywhere. You know, you say something against the president and people will bash you and they will say negative things about you. You say something for the president, people will bash you and say negative things about you. You know, the question does come down to truth. Is it true? Am I willing to stop long enough to consider? Am I trying to maintain the status quo against what it is that's being said that may be true? Because if it is true, it will make us uncomfortable. You know, it's likely to make us uncomfortable because it does challenge our status quo. If it isn't true, then by its nature it is neither good nor useful. But if it is true, it is by its very nature good and useful. And therefore, I think it's something for us to strongly consider. You know, when you look at the things that people might say about you, take time to consider whether or not what it is they're saying is true. I wish you well.